Matthew chapter 5. You know, I've never felt my age until tonight, so y'all pray for me, amen? That's all I'm going to say. Sinuses will make you feel your age. That's right. I was hoping that Miss Joanne would bring those illegal uh, cough drops that she's been distributing for the last five or six weeks. Uh, they will knock your socks off, <laughs> knock your teeth out. Matter of fact, though, I think they're helping my hair grow back, so I wanted a couple more of them. But that was the worst-tasting cough drops I've ever had in my life, but they worked. And so she has some uh, uh, NIV cough drops tonight. They're not as bad, so I'm trying some of them, amen? Kind of kind of lukewarm, amen? And speaking of Luke, pray for Luke. He's got poison ivy, and they're on a 12-hour trip to New Jersey to a funeral and then back to Washington, D.C. for their visa, his visa. It's all his fault. And I know that in New Jersey, they don't know how to treat poison ivy. They've never seen it. They probably freeze it up there, amen? I don't know what they do in New Jersey, but he's in a foreign country with poison ivy. That's, that's bad, praise God. So pray for him as they're in New Jersey for a funeral and tomorrow in Washington, D.C. to speak to the president. No, not really. They ain't going to speak to the president. <clears throat> Straighten him out, praise God. No, um, to get their visa. Amen? Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 5. Last week, I was sicker than I was today. And I've got sinuses. I know that I do not have COVID. Because uh, Brother Andrew took my temperature down at the Morningside Drive uh, rest home. Uh, conven- I don't know what it is. Uh Assisted living, yeah, why can't I remember that, amen, that's a fancy place down there, amen, and um, it was 97.6, we were trying to guess which one would be the lowest temperature, mine was, amen, so I know that it's not that, <clears throat> unless those thermometers have gone haywire, amen, and I've had flu shots, all kinds of shots, and so I know it's not that, it's sinuses, and it's in a bad case of it, amen, uh, so bad, that um, <clears throat> I'm thinking about letting Brother Jeremy get up here and preach in just a minute, and I'm going to sit down. <clears throat> no, I think I'll try. Amen. Anyway, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter He's wearing that black carnation. I thought he was ready to preach. Amen. Preach. Who? Navy Blue. Oh, that's Navy Blue. I apologize. I thought that was, I thought that was a black carnation. I'm sorry. Praise God. I knew it was morbid, but that was ridiculous. Amen. Okay, it's navy blue. Okay, amen. He's a sharp dresser, isn't he? Amen. Praise the Lord. And he's doing a great job leading singing. We appreciate it. All right, let's stand on the Word of God, and I'm going to try to preach the second half of verse 4, because I didn't get to it last week. And uh, this is the most important part. Aren't you glad for the comfort of God? Where would we be and what we've been through without the comfort of God? Brother Randy, when you're singing that song, I had a person in mind that's been through a lot, Brother Johnny McNeese. And his dear wife was struck down with that MS. And I mean, for 15 years, she didn't get out of bed. Uh, she went down to a skeletal, almost a skeleton, never stopped praising God. And Brother Johnny never stopped going by and trying to encourage her. And he would sing that song to her often by her bedside. And he sung it with the choir, too. And that was a blessing to hear that song. And then what happened with Brandon, uh, you know, thank God we'll understand after a while, but I think what we're going to understand is we're in a warfare, 
And the devil's attacking good people and good families like that, and like your family. And so it's good to know that one day, after a while, we'll understand, and we really won't even care because we'll know that God's on the throne, and we'll see the big perspective that we made it through the warfare by the grace of God. Look at verse 1. It says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, when he was set, <coughs> his disciples coming to him, and he opened his mouth. Boy, that would be a blessing to hear him teach them, saying, and here was last couple of sermons, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just summarize that verse saying, Humility. Humility is not thinking down on yourself, it's just not thinking of yourself. And to go along with that verse, it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I'd like to skip down to get, keep the context, because I misunderstood this verse many years. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, excuse me, verse 10, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, <coughs> for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then I can't help but read verse 13, because it's what it's all about. You're the salt of the earth. God's called you to be a testimony, no matter what you're going through. No matter what you might go through, God wants you to testify that blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You may be seated as I pray. <coughs> Father Jesus, we thank you, dear God, for the privilege of teaching the Word of God. And I count it an honor to be able to be here tonight. And I hope that I'm not going to be in the way with this little sinus condition. And so, Lord, please help me and give me strength, give me grace, give me clarity of thought, which is hard today. And God, help us to realize there's a comforter that's come. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and even other people. So, Lord, help us to see our source of comfort. Lord, I feel sorry for this world. I feel sorry for the backslider. I feel sorry for the lost person because they have no comfort. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, get something out of this one verse and we're going to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you can look at Slide two, Brother Joel or Brother Cody, whoever's punching the buttons back there. And we review, and uh, we must realize that all these Beatitudes go together. And all of them in context is during a very terrible time of persecution. I mean, many were given their lives for the gospel. Probably the only thing you'll get hurt in your Christian life is your feelings. When you go knock on the door, somebody might make fun of you. Somebody might slam the door in your face. <clears throat> somebody might insult you by not coming to the door. But I want to tell you something, not many people will shoot you 
in this country. Maybe in New York or Chicago, you'd have a better chance. Or move to Atlanta, and you might have a chance there to get shot if you knock on their door. But not in good old Dalton, Georgia. You're not going to be persecuted in that way, but they were. And so in context, I believe this blessed are they that mourn <clears throat> is in light of the sin that's going on now. And they were losing their loved ones. They were losing their father and mother, their son, their daughter, uh, because of persecution. And they were mourning in that sense. But I don't believe in context it's just about mourning like you do at a funeral. <clears throat> but I believe that, that, thank God, the Lord deliver us from self-sufficiency, thinking we can go through tragedy without the Lord Jesus Christ, His Word, and the Holy Ghost. I feel sorry for people that sitting up at the funeral home, that will sit up in the funeral home, and there is no comfort. They can't even pray because they're out of the will of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. In times like these, we need a Savior. And in times like these, we need this truth more than ever. We need to have some sorrow, but realize that that godly sorrow leads to conviction, and that conviction ought to lead to consecration, and that consecration should lead to joy. Until you get right with God, <clears throat> you won't have any comfort. Because you're quenching, despising the Holy Ghost. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. But thank God, if you're right with God, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I know a lot of people use this at the funeral home. I know a lot of you have been through some tragedies that I cannot even imagine, like losing a child. Or losing a mate, I can't imagine. But you claim that God's your comforter. And that's why you're here today and you haven't fallen completely apart. There's a lot of Christians that have nervous breakdowns. Some of you came close to it, what you went through. But I'm going to tell you something God can give you the comfort that you need in the time where no one else can. Last week, and I'm just going to hit this real quick because I don't want to be redundant and I want to let you go early. Last week we talked about natural sorrow. In 1 Thessalonians it says we sorrow, uh, we, we sorrow but, but with hope. We don't sorrow like the world that has no hope. And this kind of sorrow comes to everybody. There's, there's heartaches in this world. I, I can't imagine what Brother Johnny went through for 15 years. And I really can't imagine <clears throat> what he went through when his son passed away so tragically. And Brandon was, ex uh, was a personable, loving, kind little boy that used to sit on this front row and soaked it up. Can't understand that. Don't want to try. But I know one thing. If Brother Johnny's going to make it, and if Josh and Matthew are going to make it, they must draw upon the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Unnatural sorrow makes the wounds deeper. Unnatural sorrow is this. I can handle this, God. I don't need to be right with you. 
I don't need to be filled with the Spirit. I definitely don't need to be poor in the Spirit. I don't need to be uh, humble enough to say, Dear God, I can't handle it. That's stinking pride, say amen. When you think you can handle the tragedies of life without the living God and His Word and His Spirit. I'll get to that in just a minute. Folks, um, we need to realize natural sorrow helps uh, put life back together. Unnatural sorrow tears it apart and you never get over it. It's called unnatural grief. When I was sitting on the front row with my mother and my pastor was preaching my daddy's funeral, he said something very unkind and very unscriptural. He said that we shouldn't cry. And I didn't like that because I was boo-hooing because I'm a big baby. And my mother's tough as nails, but she was crying. My sister's tough as nails, and she was crying. And we all tried to soak it up and suck it up, so to speak, and stop crying because our preacher told us that we shouldn't be crying. Well, I want you to know Jesus wept. And I want to tell you something, mourning is a, uh, a, a sign of, of um, love. Love. Now, if you go to point six, Brother Cody, there's supernatural, uh, excuse me, there's, there's uh, the unnatural sorrow. That's the, the, that's the sorrow that you just try to keep all into yourself, and you never get over it. I mean, life is never going to be the same, you think. And sometimes that's selfish. And we need to realize that God wants us to get up. And I'm not trying to be unkind here because I believe there is a process of, of godly sorrow. I believe that if you want to go join the charismatics where you can just praise God anyway, go ahead and do it. But my Bible tells me that we need to sorrow. Because the Bible says, blessed are they that mourn. He would have put in the Bible if he didn't think it was okay for you to mourn. But folks, uh, sometimes unnatural sorrow is because of fear. We just we just don't think we can make it. And then sometimes it's because of guilt. Uh, we want to jump in the casket or we want to um, make a big commotion, which is all right if it's you know led by God, but and a lot of times uh, I've had to literally pull people out of the graveside because they wouldn't leave and they were screaming uncontrollably. And a lot of times that's because of guilt. They didn't send the flowers when they could smell them. And they're <coughs> guilty and they're trying to make up for it. Folks, it's too late to make up with your loved ones after they're gone. We must love them now we must send them roses now we must send them cards now we need to hug them now while they can feel it say amen and thank god for it but i want you to know there's an unnatural sorrow and it's found in psalms 51 verse 16 and 17 i think i read this this last week but it won't hurt you uh to hear it again amen Psalms 51, verse 16 and 17. Um, and I'm going to summarize the next two points and get right to the comfort. <clears throat> but the Bible says in Psalms 51, and verse 16 and 17, it says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I'd give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. 
The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. There's a proof text again. God does not despise a broken heart. And so we ought to have a broken heart for the heartaches of this life. But I believe in context again, we need to have some godly sorrow about our sin. We need to have some godly sorrow about the sin of this world. I believe a lot of people who try to cope with what we're going through just try to say, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to care. And I believe that's a coward thing to do. I believe that God's called you to have godly sorrow about the world's condition. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 7, <coughs> verse 10, please. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. The Bible says this, For godly sorrow worketh, what's the next word? Repentance. Through salvation, not to, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. There's, there's supernatural sorrow, and there's natural sorrow. There's worldly sorrow, and it works death. But godly sorrow worketh salvation, deliverance. Hey, it, it, the greatest thing that you can have in your life is the blessing of being convicted. Don't ever forget that. The Holy Ghost is the convictor. And I'm going to tell you something. I am afraid today a lot of young people and older alike have got used to the sin. And they're not bothered. It doesn't bother them a bit not to come to church. It doesn't bother them a bit to um, sin, to be in a nightclub. You know, the world's opinion of entertainment has gone crazy. Little kids trampled at a concert, and it's a violent type uh, artist. And they, they, they just, and one little nine year old was on the shoulders of his daddy. You know what he ought to, that daddy should have been on the front row of a church somewhere, right. not in some violent concert. <clears throat> and, and, and through all the, the rush of the stage, led by the entertainer, quote unquote, his little boy got knocked off his shoulders. And for the last six days, his little lungs were crushed by that crowd, and he's on a ventilator. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. That's unnatural entertainment. That's ungodly entertainment. I don't think it's entertaining to hear about a nine-year-old boy getting knocked off the shoulders of a daddy at a place that neither one of them should have been. Godly sorrow is a logical result of the experience of the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We need to realize, friend, that godly sorrow affects the mind. It only affects the mind. It affects the will and it affects the emotion. And when the prodigal son had godly sorrow, guess what? He got out of the pig pen. He got up and went home. And he restored his fellowship with his father, which is a picture of the perfect father, 
and he ate and he drank and he had a merry time. And praise God, it was wonderful. Because he got right with God. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Not of the mind, that's regret. Not of the emotions, that's remorse. But of the will, that's repentance. Don't tell me you're sorry for your sin and you confess it if you don't turn from it. Let me hurry. True repentance um, is what we need. Christians should also repent. The godly sorrow worketh life. As I said, I believe in context, these verses are saying you can be blessed in the midst of persecution. I mean intense persecution. And you can be the salt of the world and you can be the light of the world if you'll mourn right and if you will <clears throat> draw upon the comfort of getting right, staying right, and repentance. And so in context, I believe that this is saying don't get used to sin. Just don't get used to it. And I believe it's saying in your heart Keep a clear heart towards God. Amen? Thank God for that. I'll need some more water. Thank you, brother. Mourn over what we do and what we are, but also what sin does to this world. I believe with all my heart, <clears throat> you ought to, thank you, brother. I, with all your heart, you ought to be grieved over what's happening in the United States of America. Amen? I mean, it's not a political issue. It's a purity issue. We're killing babies as a nation. We're fighting for the rights of those little babies to live. Uh, all the liberals and are attacking the Supreme Court trying to get them to not go along with Texas and not go along with Georgia. And Oh my goodness, I never thought we'd come to this. And folks, you can think about the national sin, but I think you ought to think about the personal sin. I mean, folks, you ought to really be grieved that your heart's getting cold, if it's getting cold. You ought to, get, you ought to grieve when you don't mourn over your lack of, a, of affection for God. And that you get up and can go several days without reading your Bible and it doesn't bother you. That your loved ones are dying and going to hell and it doesn't bother you. Folks, I'll tell you what, blessed are they that mourn. That means we're broken. A broken and contrite heart thou will not despise. And what happens? Well, people get saved. That's a comfort. A nation is revived. That's a comfort. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Amen? And so let's, let's look at um, number 7. I'm going to skip right to it. That's uh, slide number 10 and 11. We're going to go. Uh, there's far, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm sympathetic, but that's not enough. That's to fill with. But to comfort is to encourage or give strength with. And so if you want to be an encouragement, Feel for people and be broken hearted for people. I believe we're getting too callous. 
I believe if we're not careful, we'll be like a preacher. We'll get used to seeing a lot of people in the casket. But when it becomes your child, it's different. When it becomes your wife, it's different. When it becomes your husband, it's different. And folks, when it comes your workmate, it's different. And folks, I believe we personally ought to not just be sympathetic, but we ought to comfort one another. I want to give you four sources of comfort. Number one, the comfort of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 1, 3. Let me give you these verses in closing. This is such a this is such an encouragement because we have the comforter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. <clears throat> excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I ought to use the two instead of the two Roman numerals. Amen. It says, Blessed be the God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this now, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Amen? We have the God of all comfort. And folks, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, if you'll turn back there real quick, Jeremiah chapter 29, I want you to look at verse 11 through 13. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, God speaking, saith the Lord, well, the Lord speaking, amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, you with me? What's he thinking towards you? Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an unexpected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I'll hearken unto you. That's a promise. Listen to this. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. You know how you search with all your heart? Brokenness. Poor in spirit. Mourning. In other words, you're grieving over your, your sin and even your sin nature. That's what David did. Last week we went into the different lives of Saul and David. Saul committed suicide. David wrote most of the Psalms. What was the difference? They both messed up bad. I'll tell you what it was. Psalms 51. Mourned in the Spirit. Confessed his sin. Broken and contrite heart. He said, Thou, Lord, will not despise. And so we have the comfort of God, then we have the comfort of scriptures. Turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were <clears throat> written before time were written for the, our learning. And that's what the Bible's for, to help us to learn more about Jesus. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. Would you underline those three words for comfort of the scriptures? What a blessing. Might have, what's the last word? Hope. Don't give up hope. Look at verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant to you to be like-minded one towards another according to Christ Jesus. That you may with one mind and one mouth Glorify God 
even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, God is a source of comfort. Number two, Scripture is worth a source of comfort. Yesterday morning, I didn't want to put anybody on the spot, so I said, everybody get your verse out and give us a key verse. And a lot of them are verses of comfort. One man gave an awesome testimony of what he's been through the last 11 years of his life. And he said, this verse has helped me. This verse kept me sane. This verse kept me going. When I got my life on the foundation of the Scriptures. Then we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Comforter will come. And that's in John 16. He said, I must go away. It's expedient that I go away. John 16, verse 7, I believe it is. But he says, I'll send you another Comforter. And that word Comforter is the word paraclete in the, uh, not parakeet, paraclete in the Greek. And it means one just like the other. One that comes alongside. And folks, when Jesus ascended, he sent someone to you called the Holy Ghost. And he is there. And he is in you. And he'll never leave you or forsake you. And then verse 8, it's such a wonderful, it says, I will go not away in verse 7, John 16, but the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So when he ascended, Acts chapter 1, 2, the Holy Spirit descended. And he came into believers to never leave them. Now in the Old Testament, he'd depart. But in the New Testament, after the ascension, he'd never leave you. The Bible says that. But then he said, the thing that's comforting, and I know that I'm, I believe I'm in context with this morning being about sin, not just sorrow, is that he said, when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so he's a convictor. <coughs> the most comforting thing in the Christian life to me is that I'm never alone. But I'll tell you the second most comforting thing, Brother Steve, is I can't get away with sin. Amen. If, I, if I'm truly saved, filled with the Spirit of God, I cannot enjoy sin. You ought to thank God for the convictor. And that should comfort you. So blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that have godly sorrow and have repentance. But thank God the reason is, is that you can be comforted. Knowing. The Spirit of God will not just let you go, but He'll convict you. He'll chasten you. And as He told Peter, He'll convert you back to Christ's likeness. It has nothing to do with salvation. Then last but not least, He comforts us through His people. Through His people. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. That'll only be the other verses. I wish you'd read those other verses. And we'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. And I've preached this many times on one of the reasons that you have trouble is that you might be a comfort to others. It says in verse 4, Who, who comforteth us in all our tribulation? That we may be able to comfort them which are, to, are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. Now let me close by saying this, friend. 
God is the comforter. The scriptures comfort us. The Holy Spirit is the comforter and the convictor. Thank God he's the converter. He'll do it. Amen. He will change your life if you'll yield to him. But also we're comforted through his people. Again, I don't understand why people don't love God's church. I didn't say this building. I didn't say this temple or this cross or this steeple. Excuse me. I said God's church. I'm talking about brother and sister. I'm talking about fellowship. You'll never get it at the moose club. All you mooses. You got any mooses in here? Don't raise your hand. All you masons. You'll never get it there. Amen. All you religionists. You didn't find comfort in in the Catholic Church, good night. More guilt than anything else because you can't ever measure up when you're in a religious institute. Praise God. I've been so low by just seeing you has helped me. Now I know I ought to be more spiritual and just see Jesus all the time. But it's good sometimes to have somebody to preach to. And it's good sometimes to have somebody to fellowship with. And it's good sometimes to have people just care. And say, I'm concerned. I'll never forget when my daddy died. A guy named Paul Davidson called me immediately when he found out. He said, Preacher, you're always comforting everybody else. Let me comfort you. Is there anything I can do for you? About 30 minutes later, here comes some fried chicken. He knew that'd get to me. Amen. <laughs> I, ate a, I ate a couple of couple of wings and a couple of legs and I couldn't even hardly breathe but I figured that was what he wanted me to do is eat that chicken so I ate it they sat up with me all night like I you know like I was going to do something crazy like go to sleep or something matter of fact after about two o'clock I said I wish they'd leave so I could go to sleep amen but they were concerned and I'll never forget that they cared they didn't say much they were just there I want to tell you what I love about this church. You just show up and you care. One time I was at a funeral home and the lady didn't know that she was talking so loud. Her name was Roselle Baker. They still support missionaries through this church. And I remember I was walking by about to leave and she said to another friend, she says, you know something? You could always count on Brother Wayne to be here and Miss Cotton. And that touched my heart. She didn't say you can count on him to preach a good message or uh, know what to say because I don't know what to say. But I'll be there. And you'll be there. And that's the comfort of the Spirit. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Aren't you glad you have God the Father God the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad you have the scriptures? And aren't you glad you're a member of a caring church? Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the strength and voice and breath to preach it. I hope I didn't get in the way. But I sure wanted to finish this message because I believe the devil got the victory last Wednesday when I couldn't complete it. Thank you for the concern. Thank you for people texting me online saying, are you okay? And I didn't do it for that, but it's good to know people care. And people are praying. 
So God help us to be encouragers, exhorters, edifiers, comforters. And Lord, I just want to say how much I appreciate you comforting my brother Johnny and others in this room and other members in this room that's been through what the world calls tragedies. They're still in church. They're still going for God. They're still singing. They're still preaching. They're still testifying. They're still teaching their Sunday school class. God, it has to be because of supernatural grief and mourning, but also supernatural comfort. So, Lord, dear God, help us all to draw upon thy comfort is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.